Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, welcome to the Snooker Scene Podcast. I'm Dave Hendon. Happy New Year to everybody. Of course, the first big tournament of 2019 is the Masters. It is one of the crown jewels of the game, without any doubt. And it takes place uh, next week in Alexandra Palace in London. One of the contenders for the title is a former runner-up, Barry Hawkins, firmly established now as a member of the top eight. Always seems to come good at the Crucible every year at the World Championship. He's won three ranking titles. And he is also a thoroughly nice bloke, as you're about to hear. And by the way, stay tuned for later in the week. On Saturday, there'll be another podcast. It'll be a full Masters preview. Barry, you always stop asking players how they discovered snooker. So what was your introduction? Um, well, I used to live on a, a council estate when I was really young. Um, a few of my friends started going down a local snooker club, which is only maybe 15-minute walk away. So um, I decided to go down there one one evening after school. And um, I remember playing. And then as soon as I started playing, I knew I knew then really that I, I loved the game. And it just went from there, really. I just started going down to the snooker club and brushing tables and just progressed from there. And snooker was obviously real big on the TV then, wasn't it? So you would have seen a mm. lot of it as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, Jimmy inspired me to be playing, watching him in all them world championships. You know, when he done well and lost all them finals. So um, yeah, I remember, I remember breaking down in tears. I think at one point when he missed Mister Black. I think it was seventeen all, wasn't it? Yeah. Mister Black. You weren't alone in that. No, exactly. <laughs> I remember. I remember like I was like, oh, I was devastated. Mm. And I think I was down the snooker club at the time watching it. So um, yeah, he, he was my favourite player growing up, mm. and he. I think he, he probably inspired me to, to play snooker. Mm. So how quickly did you sort of get good? Um, well, I don't like to say really. Um, <laughs> no, because a lot, yeah, a lot of kids, a lot of kids I take up the pretty game quick, up. I think, yeah. yeah. I mean, once I did start playing, he couldn't get me off the table. Mm. I was on it day and night as much as I could really. Any any in between school time, I was I was I was just at the snooker club. Um, but I think within a, within a couple of years, I was making centuries. Um, I think I, I won the under 15s and I think I started mm. playing about. Back end of eleven, twelve. So, at the time, winning under fifteen was a was a big event. You know, Hemsby and Pontins. Um, there was so many great players: David Gray, Holty, all the all the players around my age. Really, there was all all around it. So, yeah, I think from then, I think that was when I decided, right, I'll give this a proper go. Mm. And also at that time, there was quite a thriving junior circuit, wasn't there? So there was a lot of tournaments oh. to play in. 
I was huge. I was going to tournaments every weekend, during the tournaments all around the country. Um, so yeah, I think I got schooled very well, you know, back then, so playing tournaments week in, week out, and against class players. So um, yeah, it was it was absolutely it was amazing back then. Mm. But I think I'm right in saying before you turned pro, you had quite an unusual thing for a snooker player: a job. Before, before turning pro, is that right? You worked in an office. Um, right? No, I, I did. I did. I give it up for a little while, and okay. I, I, I started working in an office, like an office clerk, really. Mm. And I, I did go for a couple of job interviews, and I went for. I remember going up Cannon Street and going for a, a like a office junior job, really, in a solicitors. But yeah. it was going to progress me on to going to courses and stuff like that. And I only missed out by one person, I think. Right. Um, so who knows? You know, it might have been totally different if I got that job. Mm. And um, yeah, someone persuaded me to come back, and I'll give it. I'll give it another go, and. Uh, yeah, lucky for me, it's worked out, you know. Mm. But do you think you saw snooker as a career then? I mean, obviously, you would have seen the stars making a lot of mm. money, but also a lot of pros down the list then. There's quite a, a lot yeah. of pros on the tour who obviously weren't. Yeah, no, I mean, back then, it's, it's, a, it's a massive gamble, isn't it? Like anything you do. So, um, But I loved the game so much back then. I was so young, and all you wanted to do was play, and I loved it so much. So I did miss it when I jacked it in for a while. Um, and lucky for me, a couple of friends from the club rung me up and um, said, look, you've got to give, this a, give it a go, you know, because I mean, I think they they saw maybe I could do alright back then so um, you never know but yeah I'd, it was um, it was a it was a risk but um, if you want to do well at something sometimes you've got to take the risk haven't you mm. so how did you find turning pro because it's changed a little bit sort of recently with, with Jason Ferguson but back then you basically just turn up with your cue don't you You're not, there's no induction or anything you just turn up you start playing and yeah. then you're a professional but how did you find the sort of step up yeah I, I mean I, I remember I had one year at Blackpool when at the time you could just pay money to turn professional no matter what sort of standard yeah. you were there was people playing with there was dis- people with disabilities playing back yeah. then I remember a fella playing with one arm and he yeah. had like different instruments Graham Francis Graham yeah. Francis yeah, 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 yeah exactly he was at that pool the year yeah. I was there so um, yeah as long as you paid your money it didn't really matter it was, and you had to get through maybe seven or eight rounds to maybe get to the, get to the venue um, but yeah I think I've done okay um, I think David Gray and, and someone called Alan Burnett back then really, they were the two best players of the of that year rookies of the year if you like and I, I think I've done the third best so mm. I've done alright out there I didn't set the world alight but I've done I won a lot of matches so um, yeah I just yeah I enjoyed every minute of it to be fair maybe I enjoyed it a little bit too much <laughs> I was 17 and mm. was at Blackpool in the summer at the mm. time so um, sne- sneaked off to a couple of late night bars a few mm. times and yeah so um, yeah no it was, that was good times you know looking back good memories yeah but was there a point where you thought I suppose maybe it's getting a bit older I've got to take this a bit more seriously oh yeah I mean it's I learned from you learn from a very young age really if you if you abuse the game then it you get found out and um, it never forgives you um even nowadays sometimes I go off the rails a tiny bit not not that much but you know you know deep down you think I can't can't keep abusing it because it's going to come back and, and bite me in the bum really so um yeah back then you, um you got you got to put the hours and you get you get what you put in you know mm. but did you f- feel that you were improving i mean because looking back at your career it maybe took a little while to establish yourself, mm. but you were, I guess, learning yeah. on the job. And as you say, you were very young at the time. Yeah, I mean, some players, they come in and make a massive impact and break through, you know, mm. like, obviously, Ronnie's a special special talent. Um, but other players develop later, and I've, I've, I think I'm one of them players, you know. It took me a long time to know that you have to have a bit of belief in yourself. Um, it just takes a long time to learn, really, sometimes, and, and get used to playing against the top players and in the big arenas and, and stuff like that. So, um yeah, I think I made I've made steady progress all the time, and I think obviously started working with Terry Griffiths quite a number of years ago. Mm. That made a big difference as well. Um, so yeah, I think sometimes you just have to keep at it and uh, and just keep going really mm. and see what happens. 
Do you remember your first TV game? Um, I remember one of my first TV TV games. I think I played James Ottener. Mm. I think it was the LG Cup back yeah. then. And I, it was the last 16 and I, yeah, I got to the quarterfinals actually. I think that was my first ever venue. Mm. Um, but yeah, I loved it and I lost to Joe Swell actually, 5-4 to get to the semis and I think I might have been to play Ronnie so that would have mm. been a, a huge, a huge, um, huge match for me. But yeah, I loved it. I loved playing at the venue. I can remember definitely. What was it like, like first on telly? You know, it's very different, isn't it? You've got the cameras, yeah. a lot more attention on you. Ah, oh, all eyes on you. Yeah, it's, it's, it's more nerve wracking. It's great when everything's going well, but the, the tough part is when you're not playing well and um, things are not going well. That's the that's when you really need to dig deep. You know, that's that's the difference. It's all great when you're potting balls and everything's going your way. Mm. There's no problem at all. But it's just when you you start things going bad against you and. You can get embarrassed out there sometimes, but you just have to keep trying to dig deep. That's the that's mm. the difficult part, yeah. Because you know people are watching, particularly yeah. when, you, when you're starting out and your family be watching yeah, and everyone's you, wishing you well. Yeah, you just feel like you're, you're letting people down, not just not just yourself. You feel like you're letting others down. Mm. But I think well, I, th- I think I've had enough of them experiences now to know that it's just what it is. You know, you just sometimes you just go out there and you can't perform, and other times it's great. But um, I, I do think obviously I'm 39 now, so I'm no spring chicken. But I do think I'm able to. Um, uh, bounce back a little bit better than mm. I used to, definitely. Mm. 2005, you kind of broke for a little bit. You got to the semi-finals of the Welsh, mm. and then later in the year, the Grand Prix, and I think you played Ronnie in both of them, and they were both close. Yeah, um, I remember. And yeah. that was kind of maybe your first taste of the real big time, getting mm. to the, the business end of a big tournament. Yeah, and against someone like him. Mm. Um, I think at the time, they, if, I'm, if I remember rightly, I think there was only six tournaments then. Mm. So I think two semi-finals out of six tournaments that year, or seven tournaments, whatever it was. I had a decent year, you know, um, but yeah, that was a big eye opener, you know, playing against Ronnie and different different kind of pressure and obviously packed crowd and um, yeah, both times narrowly lost to him. I think I lost did I six four? I think one of them and five yeah, four and the yeah. other maybe. But um, yeah, I thought maybe back then, obviously back then, I thought right, I can I can do it against the very best. Mm. You know? mm. And then you made your crucible debut, two thousand six. You won the first frame against Ken. Yeah, it's all going well, and then you don't win another one. I mean, that, yeah. that was kind of welcome to the Crucible. Oh yeah, I remember. I've been trying for so long to. I kept getting beat to qualify for the Crucible. I've done well on other events, but that was the that's the big one everyone wants to get to. And um, I remember the, the, I had a tough draw in qualifying. I beat Ding actually to mm. qualify. I played I played very well against him. You know, it was a great game I had against Ding. Um, I think not too long before that, he'd, he'd bashed me up, and I thought, oh my god, that's a really yeah. really tough draw. You know, so um, to come through that, I thought I felt great and um, everyone was going well wait till you get to the crucible it's um it's a different it's an eye opener it's a different kettle of fish you know it's so nerve-wracking and um, I walked out there and it was a great buzz won the first frame and I thought oh what's everyone talking about you know <laughs> this is easy and then um that was it I realized it ain't that easy and I lost 10-1 yeah mm. rabbit in headlights mm. <laughs> but you're not not alone in that a lot of people yeah. will, uh, well I mean we'll come on to your crucible yeah. record later but think let's say think, things turn around for you yeah. um you then in, in 20, 2007 you won the qualifier for the Masters, mm. which obviously got you into the Masters. So that yeah. was a big deal, wasn't it? That was another, yeah, it was a big deal. It wasn't um, at the time before that the qualifying event was like a sponsored by Benson Edges, mm. and that was a massive event in <clears throat> itself. Um, it changed a little bit when I won it. It went to Prestatton. Mm. Um, there's still a load of great players in it. It was still still a good tournament to win, and obviously yeah. to get to the to the was it Wembley Arena? Wembley I think. Arena, Wembley yeah. Arena at the time. You know, I was buzzing. You know, so. Um, to get there and, and play in that big arena was um, was fantastic, mm. and I think Ken might beat me again there. Mm. Um, yeah, I think yeah. So uh, yeah, he bashed me up a couple of times. <laughs> but it's all <laughs> about experience, isn't yeah. it? You know, you like you're ticking ticking the boxes. You get yeah. to semi-finals, you get to the Crucible, 
you win a tournament, you get to the Masters, you're, you're mm. still learning all the time, I guess. All, always, I'm learning now. Yeah. Um, I think you never stop learning. In, in, in Ronnie's prime example at the moment, he's always, even though how good he is, you know, you think there's not much more he can learn, and he's he's always striving to, to for that perfection, you know. So, um, yeah, you, you never stop learning in this game. I think there's always things that you think you can learn that. So, um, yeah, but like you say, great experience, and it's it's just a massive learning curve when you're that age. It's all about getting that experience and keep building on it and hopefully one day it turn around and you actually win something mm. well things sort of turned around for you 2012 you won the shootout and obviously mm. I mean, it's become a ranking event but then yeah. it was kind of a novelty you sort of yeah. bash up really but it's still a very nervy event oh, yeah. and the fact that you won a trophy on television in that environment that seemed to sort of kickstart your career yeah funny enough yeah, it, it did actually I know it's funny as, as <clears> mad as it sounds it's not it's like one frame it's but like you say being live on TV front of a big audience quite a raucous audience mm. actually and um, yeah and a lot of pressure everybody's twitching you know everyone's <laughs> one frame shot clock so you've got quite a lot to deal with mm. um, yeah I wouldn't class it obviously now as a ranking event I wouldn't class it as a ranking event I don't think no one does but um, yeah it was a big deal for me back mm. then because I, at the time obviously I was I was just hovering around the 32 mark like 20 mark or, I think I might have been in the 16 once by then um, but yeah I wasn't really setting the world alight and yeah at the time lack of confidence I had mm. so like a win like that picking up any trophy I suppose to give me, it did give me a lot of confidence yeah and then you started the next season you won your first ranked event the Australian mm. Open what are your memories of that that was out in, the, in Bendigo yeah well, I was back <coughs> out I think I'd been away for three or four weeks at the time I was on, on the back of like the six reds in Thailand a tournament in China um, so I was on the road with Mark Davis most of the time which is quite unfortunate <laughs> 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 oh dear no he's a good lad yeah, but he, everyone knows that a nice fellow he is yeah, but uh, he can be quite miserable sometimes <laughs> but yeah no um, yeah, we, I remember being with him the whole time and um, he had had a great time he'd been mm. to the semis of, the, of China and then he, he won the sixth red so he was flying at the time and um, he actually actually beat him in the semis of the Australian so um, he had a great three or four weeks really and uh, yeah I can remember playing Peter Repton in the final and uh, I played great, I think, if I remember rightly. And, yeah, I remember potting the Brown to win it and obviously showed a bit of emotion because, yeah, it's just, it's a, it's a ranking tournament at the end of the day. And, yeah, in front of TV and crowd there, yeah, it was a great feeling, yeah. Yeah, and he's gone into the match, obviously, with all the experience, you know, world champion, yeah. won a lot of tournaments. It's your first big final. Do you remember being nervous? Because you didn't seem to look it. No, I play. was nervous, but yeah. I just, for some reason, I, yeah, it was just one of them days where yeah, everything just clicked, really. You know, I... I I'd obviously been working. I think I'd been working with Terry um, on the, on a mind sort of thing, really. And uh, yeah, I just felt calm and things p- things were going right for me, and I was scoring well, and I felt confident. And it was just one of them games where everything just went well for me. You know? mm-hmm. Talk about Terry then, because obviously he's been world champion and, and a great player himself. Moving over to the coaching side, you don't always necessarily need to be a, a great player to be a good coach, but. He does have that experience to call on, but I get the sense just talking to players that it's also about just the right word at the right time. Yeah, I mean, I haven't been working with Terry this season. Mm. Um, decided to have just a year on my on my own, you know. But there's no there's no reason why I won't go back and work with him next year. But for the past six or seven years, I've been working with him. Yeah, you're you're exactly right. He, I think the first first couple of years we was always working on stuff, changed a couple of tiny little technical things, nothing major really. Um, but yeah. He, he just seems because he's been there and done it people believe what he says his other coaches haven't had that experience and they're pretending they know what they're talking about but deep down really they haven't got a clue um, but Terry's obviously been there he knows exactly how you're feeling um, and sometimes you go back in the dressing room you wouldn't even talk about 
the game because everything's going well so there's nothing to talk about it just talk about completely something random and just make you laugh and make you relax you know so um, yeah he's always he's always great to have in your corner mm. OK well that, that season where you won the Australian Open you actually played more matches than anyone else on the circuit and of course it ended mm. with the biggest match of them all you got to the world final mm. against Ronnie O'Sullivan now talk about the big time I mean that's <laughs> as big as it gets right yeah that was amazing um, I think I played I beat Ding Selby and I, I mean I think Selby was still struggling with his neck at the, mm. or was he struggling with his neck at the time I can't remember anyway but yeah um, yeah, I remember having like such a galling game against Ricky. Yeah, and it was not a very good game either. I don't think I had a break over fifty until it went really late on in the match, mm. and I was twelve eight down. And all of a sudden, I managed to find a bit of form, and Ricky fell away a little bit, and I was sixteen twelve up. And then I remember putting the, the cash balls really to to realise I was in the final. I was like, it was unbelievable. Really, it was a yeah dream come true. And um, yeah, the best feeling I've ever had walking out as a professional coming down for that final session against mm. Ronnie because. I think we had a we had a great game really, and um, I think a lot of people was expecting me just to fall away and he'd win with a session to spare and everything. But I think I put him under quite a bit of pressure, and he played. He, I think he's even admitted. I don't think he's he's played as well there, you know. Mm. But what's it like playing in the final? Because like you mentioned, the Jimmy White finals, mm. and you've grown oh, yeah. up watching every every snooker fan can remember all the world finals mm. they've watched. Suddenly you're there, you know. They've got the trophy out. You're standing yeah. for the pictures. What what's that it's like? It's surreal. Yeah. It's surreal, really. You don't actually. I think when you're actually in at Sheffield and you're there working it's weird it don't, you don't seem to appreciate what's going on sure. I think you're just there just concentrating mm-hmm. playing another game another game there's so many sessions just like non-stop non-stop you just feel like you're not, not out of your suit mm-hmm. um, but yeah standing there it, I, I went to afterwards I look back now and I look at the pictures and it brings back the memories you know and I think mm-hmm. Jesus you actually, you actually <laughs> played in the, in the world final you know mm-hmm. not many people can say that obviously I'd have loved it if I'd, if I'd have won it but um yeah, it's still a massive achievement, and I'll always look back with like unbelievable memories. Yeah, mm. and it must have helped give you the belief that you know you are a top player. Mm. You've been you were sort of knocking on the door. You were steadily rising. Obviously, you'd won a ranking event that season, but to play in a world final, you know that's not a fluke. And we, you know, no. obviously, since then your record that there has been really good. Yeah, must have really helped with your confidence. Oh, massively. Yeah, give me the, give me um, yeah, massive self belief. Um, well, I won't say massive because I'm not that type of person mm. who, you know, I'm always, I'll always doubt myself. I always quite critical of myself you know? I, I never get too too excited about things but yeah obviously deep down I know I can do it that's mm. that's the big big thing really um, but yeah I'm not sure how I've done the following season um, maybe I let off, took my foot off the brake after after gas a little bit maybe mm. I can't remember but yeah you know deep down it gave me give me the confidence and it, it actually cemented the fact that I can do it on the biggest stage yeah. mm. quite often we're here people say about you you know you're underrated which, mm. which you shouldn't be but is that a good thing good thing in a way you can sort of maybe keep your head down yeah. leave some of the other star names to sort of take the limelight yeah I did. <coughs> people say things that like, I don't really take much notice um, mm. I'm not really interested in trying to make headlines and trying to say things just to get myself noticed and things like that you know I'll just go there turn up play um, I'm there to play snooker and I'm there to try and win win a tournament really if I can if I can change people's minds, you know, and I mean, I don't think people doubt me. I think people class me as a top player, really. I think, but I'm not. I don't really care what people think. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, I'm just going there to play snooker, and if they think I'm a good player, then great. And if mm. not, I stand to them, really. But um, yeah, it's just I don't really take much notice. Sure. Okay. Well, you, you won uh, the players' championship, and then 2017, the World Grand Prix, and that was. Um, you must have been really happy with that performance oh, against yeah. Ryan Day. You know, five centuries. I know he came back at you a little bit at the end, but yeah. you've sort of done all the all the work early on. Yeah, that's um, one of them 
moments where one of the rare occasions where you don't actually feel like you're going to miss and to do feel like that in the final against a class player like Ryan you know so dangerous um, yeah that was a that was a great feeling I remember walking around the tail when I was maybe six, seven, three up and I was clearing up and I was thinking Jesus this is probably the best I've felt in in a long time and um, that don't happen very often every snooker player I tell you um, but like I say he did come back at me and uh, I managed to make a decent little, little clearance at the end under, under a lot of pressure and um, yeah that's a really proud moment because I know I won the Australian and I know but that tournament was uh a big tournament and everybody was in it you know sure. like Ronnie the whole yeah. the whole lot was in it so um, to win that one was um, yeah, special really yeah and because like any player you don't just want to be consistent you want to be winning trophies yeah you want to win yeah mm-hmm. um, not one not one one since but I've come close very close quite a few times but um, yeah that's um, that goes back a long way I've got a lot of history that tournament mm-hmm. so uh, yeah I'm delighted to have won that yeah. you also got to the Masters final I think three years ago now and mm-hmm. again Ronnie O'Sullivan <laughs> and, and that's kind of that is sort of his manner isn't it the oh. Ali yeah, I've, I actually felt demoralised that final. I, I, that's one of the occasions where I did feel a bit embarrassed. You know, I, I, when it went seven-one, I think I was actually thinking, just finish me off now. You know, there's no yeah. way back from there. Yeah. So, um, and then he flew to pink, I think, to go eight-one. Or it might have been to go seven-one. And I just thought, right, yeah, just just bash me up now, please don't miss. It was one of the occasions where you don't actually want to come back to the table, um, which is terrible, really, because you're um, in a massive final. Um, but he can make you feel like that, and the place can make you feel like that as well you know so um, but yeah I played well I played very well to get to the final and uh, yeah another another great occasion but obviously not a a great great performance Mm. well the Crucible seems to be where you kind of every year you're there in the the one table and and you obviously have to beat great players to do it now why is that do you think is it the venue is it the longer matches or do you just feel comfortable there yeah I don't know what it is I don't necessarily turn up there and think Right, I've got a great chance of getting mm-hmm. through it because I've been done well the last few years. I just turn up with the same every year, you know, mm-hmm. um, hoping to get through the first round, and then it just some the way it's happened the last few years, it's just unfolded from there. And I think, I think, yeah, last year actually, I felt actually felt like I could win this, mm-hmm. and that's the first time really. I, even when I've got to the semis before, you know, I know how long the matches are, and I know the great players in front of me, but I did feel good, you know, and I was playing some decent stuff up until. 15, 13 against Mark and the wheels completely fell off mm-hmm. um, but yeah there's no I don't really turn up every year thinking right I'm going to have a good run here it's just, it's just the way it's worked out the last few mm-hmm. years and, but like I say I do feel do feel quite comfortable there strange um, well that's the, the biggest pressure any snooker player mm-hmm. plays under and uh, for some reason it just seems to bring the best out of me well it has done for the last few years no reason I'm going to have a run this year mm-hmm. <laughs> well I was going to ask you about last year I mean was the sort of regret um Afterwards, because like you say, you were sort of in front against Mark, yeah. and then at the end, it got very nervous, didn't it? At the oh, end? it was unbelievable. <laughs> it must have been great to watch because we couldn't stand up a yeah. pair of us in the end. And then Mark, I remember, I remember missing the pink in the middle, and I played a complete wrong shot. I only got to screw it down for red on the black round. I'm, I'm trying to stun it off the cushion because I didn't fancy getting through the white. I remember, and I, he nudged me on the shoulder, and we just started laughing. He said, "Oh, we're both twitching all over the place <laughs> now." And uh, yeah, well, but I think looking back at it there, really, I probably should have just. Just tried to stay focused a little bit more, but then I just started getting a little yeah, it was strange really, and um, should have tried to be a little bit more ruthless, really. Maybe, um, but how hard is but it? It's so hard when you're out yeah. there, you know, you, you, it's always good in hindsight, and you? you can mm. always look back and oh, I should have done this, should have done this. But at the time, we was um, yeah, we was both struggling to string two balls together, I think. Sure. Um, but yeah, like you say, it was, I was gutted afterwards, definitely, because it was a great chance to get to another final, mm. you know. 
yeah, give me give yourself a, a crack at the tile. Mm. How hard is it though? I know I've asked you about it now, but how yeah. hard is it not to look back on it? Like certainly in the days afterwards, when mm. you sat at home, and you think, if only I'd have done this. Yeah. Can you, are you a player that can sort of let that stuff go, or, or occasion like that? Is it difficult? Yeah. yeah no, I'm, I'm not too bad now. I don't beat myself up like mm. I used to. No way near. Um, but you know, I've been close quite a number of times now. You know, it's first couple of times you think, oh, that was a good tournament. Mm. That was a good tournament. But once you get there now, like the last few times you. You don't want to keep getting beaten in them stages. You want to go on to win it. You know, you want to be, you want to win a tournament, um, especially a tournament like that. So um, yeah, I did. It did. It did hurt for a little while. Mm. Um, obviously, you got to bounce back. It's the way it is. But uh, yeah, I don't. When I get to semis or something like that, you're devastated. Now it's not. Whereas years ago, I'd get there and I think, oh, I've had a great tournament there, but it's not like that now. Mm. When you get through that far, you want to. It's all about you want to win, didn't you? especially at this stage of my career. Mm. Well, the Masters, of course, is the, the big event coming mm. up uh, this week. Um, I think you've got Sean Murphy yeah. first round. Uh, I suppose there, though, it doesn't really matter who you play, does no. it? Because they're all top players. Oh, they're all great players. Murphy's won it, he's won a triple crown, world champion. So, um, yeah, I played him there a few years ago. I managed mm. to beat him then, but you know, different day, different game. And um, it looks like he's coming into a bit of form again. He's probably he had a big move a while back. He went to move to Ireland, didn't he? Mm. So, He's probably settled down a bit now. It takes a little while to settle down, and he's been putting the hours in, and he's he's played very well the last last month or so. Even in the qualifiers, I think he had about seven or eight centuries in yeah. these two matches. So, um, yeah, he'd have been putting the work in over Christmas, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, like you say, it, it doesn't matter who you got there. You know what you got to do. You got to go out there and, and and play well yourself. And if you can do that, then you're tough to beat, man. No? Mm. Turned forty this year, but that means nothing really in snooker, does it? We've no. seen a lot of forty somethings actually. Really doing well. Yeah. Um, how do you sort of see your the next few years for you? Is it is it a question of trying to land a few more trophies? Yeah, I think. Yeah, it'd be nice to win another. Well, another. It'd be nice to win another tournament at the moment. I'm, I'm not one one for a while, but um, yeah, I want to just try and um, yeah, just keep trying to tr- trying to play well and well, keep keep improving. Really, I think yeah. I've got quite a number of years left if I can stay stay dedicated. I think with me, I think if I can stay motivated, that's a big thing. Because I get. A bit down with the travelling and that sometimes. I've been better the last few years, the last couple of years, I should say. But um, I think sometimes I, I get a bit, I get a bit depressed, really. You know, knowing, knowing that I've got to go away for yeah. quite for two or three weeks at a time, especially like China and that. You know, I get a bit homesick, I suppose, like some other players. But um, I've dealt with that better lately. And uh, yeah, if I can keep enjoying playing and, and keep doing all right, then I think, yeah, I think I've got a few years left in me. Because mm. that's the thing you mentioned the travelling a minute. Yeah. You kind of. It sort of sounds glamorous, but it isn't, is no. it? You know, it's airport, on the plane, another airport, mm. bus to the hotel, mm. and then you're working. You're not actually on holiday. No, and then you're jet-lagged as well, mm. and then you, you feel rubbish about yourself. You're sleeping rubbish. It takes a good week, you know, when you actually get to China to yeah. get over that. And um, sometimes you're only there, you're there for, like, two, three days, and then you've got a plane. And especially you get the half-nine shift in the morning, you and you can't get to sleep till six in the morning with your jet-lagged. So you're trying to play snook, and you... Your eyes are stinging, and you think, "Oh, what am I doing here?" Mm. So, um, yeah, I've been trying to get to China a bit earlier, you know, so I yeah. start getting some more sleeping, and um, I think that's helped me really. I think I've been getting over the jet lag a bit better. So, um, yeah, I mean, Ronnie's got it right, but he, he's in a privileged position where he can actually pick and choose not to go. So, um, sure. for us boys, is um, they're such big events, you don't want to really miss them. Sure. And mm. finally, just set one thing, Barry, because I've heard it said about you a lot of times. You played the kettle drum in a steel band. Is this true? The kettle, no, the cello, it was called. Okay, the, the cello. cello. Yeah, it was cello like, drum. Yeah, yeah, the cello, it was called. Okay. Yeah, and um, I think the front was tenors. Then there, there was seconds. The second row, which was like two drums, and yeah. I played the cello where there was three drum, three drums around me, you know, and a steel band, and the bass was behind me. So, yeah, um, yeah we done weddings and everything. Played right. at yacht clubs and 
Yeah, it was really good at secondary school. Yeah, I've, I've actually got some footage at home, so um, oh, wow. I can dig it out somewhere. It's yeah. quite interesting. Uh, and, how, and was that just? How did you get into that? Just, just at school, no, yeah. just at school, secondary school, mm. and just in the music club. Really, I've got friendly with a few boys at the club, and they they used to go at the weekends in at Tobacco Dock in Wapping. Mm. Uh, we used to play in a shopping centre. We used to have like a lock up there, and every weekend on Saturdays and maybe some Sunday sometimes we um, we used to play in a big shopping centre, and people all be oh. all around watching and that and. We play all classical music, you know, like Blue Danube and oh. all smoke gets in your eyes, all oh. that sort of stuff. Yeah. We, I thought we was very good, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, when we haven't got a set here, but if, but, no. if, but if someone wheeled them in, could you pick it up again? Oh, you think? No, I doubt it. <laughs> I mean, I, I can remember slightly, but nothing. I don't think I'll be able to. I used to be able to play the, the tenors as well and do do a few things, but no, it's such a long time. Oh, Thirty nine. I was only fourteen or so yeah. at the time, so yeah. I, I doubt it now. Okay, well, you're busy enough playing snooker. If yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's been yeah. great to talk to you, Barry. Thanks Cheers. a lot. Oh, thanks. Cheers. Cheers. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.